please stand with us and sing. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied Within your presence I sing beneath the shadow of your wings Better is one day courts better is one day in your house better is one day in your courts thousands elsewhere better is one day in your courts better is one day in your house better is one day in your courts thousands elsewhere thousands elsewhere One thing I ask and I would seek To see your beauty To find you in the place your glory dwells One thing I ask and I would seek to see your beauty, to find you in the place your glory dwells. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, thousands elsewhere. And my heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God, your spirit's water for my soul. I've tasted and I've seen, come once again with me, I will draw near to you, I will draw near to you, to you. Better is one day, better is one day, better is one day, thousands elsewhere, better is one day. Better is one day, better is one day, than thousands elsewhere, thousands elsewhere. Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure, all of my days are held in your hand, crafted in two your perfect plan you gently call me into your presence guiding me by 
Holy Spirit, teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling. Set me apart. I know you're drawing me to yourself. Lead me, Lord, I pray. Take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hand. Beside me, I give my life to the potter's hand. Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure all of my days are held in your hand. Crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling, set me apart, I know you're drawing me to yourself, lead me, Lord, I pray, take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hand. Call me, guide me, lead me, walk beside me. I give my life to the potter's hand. So our reading today comes from the book of Exodus, and it's chapter 32. It says we're reading verses 7 through 14. We're actually going to read verses 1 through 14 to give you a little bit more of the information. And so that is page 77. If you have a pew Bible, if you have a large print, it's in the Old Testament, page 110. So 77 with a pew Bible, 110 for a large print. And if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. 
Okay, we're a little quiet this morning. Maybe you guys all didn't have as much coffee. You know, I didn't have enough this morning either. So let's just try that again. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Starting with verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who shall go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on your, the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. And so all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took the gold from them and formed it in a mold a cast and cast an image of a calf and they said these are your gods O Israel who brought you up out of the land of Egypt and when Aaron saw this he built an altar before it and Aaron made proclamation and said tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord and they rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being and people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. And the Lord said to Moses, go down at once. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them. They have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff Necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all the land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring. On his people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Glorify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. Finest fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy. ready to do your will. 
purify my heart, cleanse me from within, and make me holy, purify my heart, cleanse me from my sin, deep within refine as is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my Master, ready to do your will. Finest fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master. Ready to do your will. Ready to do your will. Amen. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you and we praise you for gathering us here. We thank you for blessing us so that we're able to worship you this morning. Not some image, not some false God, but we're able to worship you. To shut down our minds and just to turn our hearts towards you this morning. So Lord, please bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds. May all that we do and all that we say be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So this story that we just read from the book of Exodus is safely the biggest blemish in the Israelites' history. It's their big mistake that they've made, the, the thing that makes them look back in their history and think, oh my goodness, what did we do? Now I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. That's why I decided to start reading at verse 1 instead of 7 as the lectionary recommended. But I also want to give you a little bit of back information just in case you don't know this story very well just in case you don't remember everything that happened with Moses. So I'm going to give you a little bit of explanation. So the Israelites, that what we, that's what we call them, the Israelites, are the people who descended from Israel, who is the name of Jacob. So they're all descendants of Abraham and then Abraham's son Isaac. And then they get their name Israelites because Jacob was renamed by God Israel. And so you have the Israelites who ended up in Egypt because Joseph, remember that, that story, he was sold by his brothers into slavery, ended up in Egypt, but ended up being able to, to tell what dreams meant, and so he was able to get the Egyptian people to store up a whole ton of food because he knew that a drought was coming. And then after he saved all the people of Egypt, he was able to bring his family and the other Israelites in to live in Egypt with him. But then years went past after this drought had happened, after Jacob or after Joseph had long since passed away, and that Pharaoh had long since passed away, and times changed 
changed, and eventually they had a new pharaoh in the land of Egypt, and this new pharaoh saw all of these foreigners, all of these foreigners who worshipped their own god, all of these foreigners who, by the way, stayed faithful even in slavery to their god, all of these foreigners were in Egypt, and the pharaoh didn't like that very much, and so the pharaoh decided to enslave those people and, and to put them into slave labor until Moses kind of wakes up. And Moses frees the people from slavery and brings them out of Egypt, brings the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses is the one who leads them out of Egypt. And then after they are miraculously brought out of Egypt, you're going to remember these stories. Even if you haven't been a church person your whole life, the waters are parted and the Israelites are brought out of Egypt safely. And then the waters come crashing down on Pharaoh and all of his chariots. And then the people safely make it out of Egypt. And then they wander into the desert. Well, this story that we just read, this story about this golden calf, this image that they make, this story occurs only three months after Moses had led the people out of Egypt. Think about that for a second. Maybe you've heard this story before and never noticed this, that this happens only three months after the people had been rescued from slavery and Egypt. And so all of the people have been rescued. When then we read this story and, and we see that these people, they, they just came from Egypt. They were just rescued from slavery. These people who stayed faithful even when they were enslaved, suddenly, for some reason, they start to panic, and they create for themselves an idol, a new god, something that they can touch and that they can worship. And it's just kind of mind-boggling, don't you think? How is it that you have these people who have safely been blessed in this miraculous way to be saved from, from slavery, and then suddenly they turn to this thing that they want to worship. So anybody who's ever read this story, you know, you've got to just stop and you've got to wonder, what in the world was going through the minds of the Israelites? Anybody ever wonder that? Yeah. What was going through their minds? So there's a little bit of history I'm going to give you, or, or a little bit of possibilities. Now, number one, if you pay attention to that first verse that we read, doing a little bit of Bible study right now, but if you were to open up your, your Bibles and look at that verse 1, we know that they say Moses was delayed from coming down from the mountain. So Moses, they thought, should have been back from Mount Sinai because what happened was Moses, he brought the people out into the wilderness, and then he went up to go on to Mount Sinai. And when he was up on Mount Sinai, he was communing with God, he was talking with God, and then he was coming, uh, going to come back. And when he was going to come back, he was going to have with him what? the Ten Commandments. And so he was going to bring down from the mountain with him the Ten Commandments so that the Israelite people could have the rules that they needed in order to have a good, prosperous society. And so he was going to bring down these Ten Commandments with him, but for some reason they thought that he was delayed. Now I was doing some reading from Rabbi Kesselman, who's a, a um, rabbi and professor at a Jewish uh, seminary, or I'm not sure if they call them seminaries, uh, but in that case for people who are going to be ordained. But uh, Rabbi Kesselman explained that he was gone for 40 days and, and that Moses had said he would be gone for 40 days. So what happened? Did Moses mean 40 full days? And were they using the Jewish calendar when they started the new day at sundown? So when the sun went down, that was the start of the new day? Were they counting their day differently? What was it? Was Moses really, truly 
delayed, or maybe was he one day off of their schedule? And if he was only one day off of, your, off of their schedule, that makes you kind of wonder. With one day to panic, did the Israelites really panic so much that in just one day they created a new God for themselves? So that's one of the possibilities. Or maybe, was Moses really delayed? Did Moses say he was, he was coming back in 40 days, but did he walk a little bit slower than he had before? Did it take him a little bit longer? We all have those times. Was he not feeling the best? Did he stop to sit and rest? Was he enjoying his time with God, and did he not want to come back to the people? We could understand that. Maybe Moses really was delayed. Maybe he was delayed for just a couple days. But no matter what, whether Moses was delayed or not, doesn't it just baffle your mind that the Israelites would create for them a new God? Now, I was doing a bunch of reading as to why, because this is when one of my biggest questions, why in the world would the Israelites do this? The same Israelites that had been miraculously saved from slavery. Imagine if you were one of them. Imagine if you saw the seas parted. Imagine if you had witnessed everything that they had witnessed, that you had seen God's action so strongly in your lives. Would you abandon your God just like that? So it makes me wonder, what in the world is going on? And so I did some other reading from some other rabbis. And I don't want to tell you too much about it because it would take too long and you might not find it quite as interesting as I do. But there is this one rabbi, uh, his name is Rashi, or that was the name that they gave him, Rabbi Rashi. He's from about a thousand years ago and he was a big biblical commentary, commentator and he had said that they believed that on that time when Moses did not come down from the mountain on the day that they thought he was going to, Satan turned the skies dark or at least that's what they thought. And so suddenly the skies went dark and the people people began to fear because when the skies went dark, they, number one, thought that that meant that Moses had died. And they thought that Moses had died and Moses was their connection to this God who did these miraculous things for them. So number one, they thought that Moses had died. And number two, when the skies went dark, they thought that God had abandoned them and they thought that they were left alone in the wilderness with no one to guide them out of the wilderness to any promised land whatsoever. And so they were afraid. Suddenly, when we think about that, it might not make us understand why they did that, but we might understand why they panicked, huh? Maybe just a little bit. We can't fathom that they would actually create for themselves a new God, but we can understand that maybe they panicked. And, and well, why did they panic? They, why did they panic? They panicked because they're humans. They panicked because just like us, they are regular human beings. Has anybody here ever kind of got yourself into a bit of a pickle and started to panic? Raise your hand for me if you've ever got yourself into a tough situation and you started to panic. Now I want to hear from you again, some honesty. Have you ever got yourself into that tough situation and it was entirely your fault and you started to panic? Yeah? Okay. I'm so good at, at doing that sometimes where I'm like, oh my goodness, why did I do that? God, I need your help. Well, unfortunately, the Israelite people didn't realize that they could go, hey God, I need your help. Will you help me out of this panic situation? Because their only connection that they had had to God within the last couple of years was through Moses. They had been connected through Moses. So when Moses wasn't there, the people started to panic. And no matter how evolved our brains might be, when us humans 
humans start to panic, we do completely ridiculous things. When us humans start to panic, that fight or flight mode kicks in, and we are not these brilliant creatures that we think that, they, that we are. I was trying to look up some of the details about that Ellicott Creek, Ellicott Creek uh, uh, car chase. Did you guys hear about that last week? There was a car that, I know I see probably right near Tara's house over there, but there was that car that was chased by the police and ended up in Ellicott Creek. Now, let's just think about this. If you have police that are coming up behind you, and, and if you have really done something wrong, should you A, run from them, or should you B, maybe just try to figure out what you can do, you know, get in trouble, but maybe the trouble won't be so bad? Probably the second. But instead, they ran from the police, and they ended up in the creek. I don't know all the details, but I'm going to take a guess and say that they got in a lot more trouble when they ended up in the creek than if they had just stopped. Now, I don't know all the details, and so if you know more of the details, I could be completely wrong about something. But sometimes what happens is we start to panic. And when we start to panic, and that's just the best example I can think of in a, at that moment, when we start to panic, we don't always make the best decisions. When we start to panic, we think, oh, yes, I can outrun them. When we start to panic, we start to make really bad choices. When we start to panic, we start to make whatever bad situation we've gotten ourselves in a little bit worse. Have you ever realized that we get ourselves into a bad situation? It's like we just try to dig that hole even deeper. Like we're like, oh, I can fix this problem. And we try to dig and make it even deeper for ourselves. Well, that's what happened to the Israelite people. They panicked. They panicked and they made things so much worse. Now, besides reading some of what the, the rabbis of old have talked about when it comes to why the Israelites did what they did, and I think in, in this situation when we're reading from Exodus, it's always the best to look at the rabbinical scholars because that is their holy book. And so, well, you know, if we look to what they said, but what, if we want to figure out what we can get out of the story... We don't need to necessarily understand them, but we need to understand how humans work. We need to understand that the Israelites panicked, and they made things so much worse for themselves. But I'll tell you from experience that whenever I've got myself in a bit of a pickle, and I've started to panic, if I try to fix the situation myself, I promise you I'm going to make it worse. But do you know how we can make that situation better? We turn to God. Now, I will tell you, I would give you examples, but I don't have permission from other people to give you these examples, so I can't. But I just need to trust you that there are times when we get ourselves into these bad situations and we're going to make things worse. But if we turn to God and if we pray to God and we say, God, I messed up and I messed up so very much because when we say we messed up, what are we doing? We're repenting. We're owning it and we're repenting. We're saying, God, I messed up. I made some serious mistakes. And when we repent and say that we made mistakes and then turn to God and say, God, I need your help, the most amazing thing about God is that God is the most amazing problem solver. God will help to lead us and to guide us out of these sticky situations. Maybe we'll still get in trouble because if we do things wrong, yes, we might still get into trouble, but God will make it better for us because God is this amazing divine problem solver. God is better than any image that we can ever create, any idol that we can ever create and try to worship. God is greater than any person that we ever idolize. I promise you that all of the famous people with all of their wealth and all of their wisdom, whatever it might be, they cannot solve our problems with half of the capacity as the way that God can solve our problems. They do not have that ability. 
no matter what we try to worship, other than God, it can't solve our problems. But if we turn to God, friends, God has a way of being the most amazing divine problem solver. God has a way of saying, Ted, you got yourself into that bad situation. Here's a way to make it a little bit better. God has a way of saying, Lori, I know you want to give up right now. I know you think that all that everything has come crashing down, but just stay with me and wait with me and walk with me and I will get you to a better place. God is that good. Do you know that God is that good? Because you all kind of look like you're falling asleep on me. Do you know that God is that good? If you don't and you find yourself in a bad situation, come talk with me and let's pray together. Because I'll tell you, God is that good. God is so good. that He has a way of leading us to a place of hope. God is not something that we idolize and worship. God is bigger than all we can imagine. And God, God is the greatest problem solver at all, of all. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for all of the ways that you've intervened in our lives. We thank you for all of the ways you've nudged us when we've gone wrong. We thank you for all of the ways that you've helped us get out of a bad situation. Help us, Lord, now and always. Be our divine problem solver. Help us so that we are not just panicking and running and doing things that make our situations worse. But bless us and be with us. And remind us that you are greater than any other thing that we could ever worship. We pray this all through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Savior, I come, quiet my soul, remember. Redemption's hill, where your blood was spilled For my ransom Everything I want out dear I count it all as lost Lead me to the cross where your love poured out Bring me to my knees, Lord, and lay me down Rid me of myself, I belong to you Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross. You were as I, tempted and tried, human. The Word became flesh, bore my sin and death. Now you're risen, everything I want held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out, bring me 
to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross, to your heart, to your heart. Lead me to your heart, lead me to your heart. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross. God, go forth with the love of Christ in your heart. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.